0: 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 1. Now Joab the son of Zeruiah perceived that the king's heart was toward Absalom. Joab is the king's chief fighter, and he understands that King David misses Absalom, even though Absalom killed another one of his sons. 2. And Joab sent to Tekoa and fetched thence a wise woman, and said unto her, I pray thee, feign thyself to be a mourner, and put on mourning apparel, I pray thee, and anoint not thyself with oil, but be as a woman that had a long time mourned for the dead. It was their custom to anoint their skin with oil. They used oil as a moisturizer. I guess the Israelites back then tended to have really dry skin. But when they were mourning or fasting, they would not use the moisturizer. He says, make it look like you've been fasting and praying, and that you're in mourning, and you're really upset. 3. And go in to the king and speak on this manner unto him. So Joab put the words in her mouth. She's intelligent, but he's telling her what to say. He wants to teach the king a lesson. 4. And when the woman of Tekoa spoke to the king, she fell on her face to the ground and prostrated herself and said, Help, O king. Remember, she's play-acting because Joab told her to. 5 And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, Of a truth, I am a widow, my husband being dead. 6 And thy handmaid had two sons, and they two strove together in the field, and there was none to part them, but the one smote the other and killed him. Now this is all a story, but it is to change his mood. She tells the king that her two sons hated each other, and they were in a field, and nobody could break up the fight, so one killed the other. 7 And behold, the whole family is risen against thy handmaid, and they said, Deliver him that smote his brother, that we may kill him for the life of his brother whom he slew, and so destroy the heir also. Thus will they quench my coal, which is left, and will leave to my husband neither name nor remainder upon the face of the earth. The woman is saying, And remember, this isn't true, but she's saying, Now the other half of the family wants to kill my son who killed the other son. If I let them do that, then I won't have any son, and my husband's name will end on the earth. There will be no posterity for my husband's name. She's asking him to judge righteously what should be done, if her remaining son should be allowed to live. 8. And the king said unto the woman, Go to thy house, and I will give charge concerning thee. 9 And the woman of Tekoa said unto the king, My lord, O king, the iniquity be on me, and on my father's house, and the king and his throne be guiltless. 10 And the king said, Whosoever saith ought unto thee, bring him to me, and he shall not touch thee any more. The king tells her, I'm going to protect you and your remaining son's life. If anybody says that they want to kill your son, send them to me, and they'll have to answer to me. So King David agrees with a woman that she needs to maintain the posterity of her husband's name and that the living son should remain alive. 11 Then said she, I pray thee, let the king remember the Lord thy God, that the avenger of blood destroy not any more, lest they destroy my son. And he said, As the Lord liveth, there shall not one hair of thy son fall to the earth. The Israelites, they are pride-based people, so if somebody kills a relative, then they want to kill that person as revenge. But in God's law, if you kill somebody on accident, you are allowed to go to a safe city, where you can live there for a number of years and nobody can kill you. But her son who killed the other son actually is a murderer. It wasn't an accidental death. But King David is telling her, her son will be protected as if it were an accidental death. He's right and wrong because, according to God's law, the Avenger of Blood should be able to kill the living son. However, it's true that God would not want any man's posterity to end, so, David is protecting the man's posterity. Now, her story has ended, she's gotten King David's attention. And she's going to continue speaking and reveal the truth of why she came to him. 12 Then the woman said, Let thy handmaid, I pray thee, speak a word unto my lord the king, and he said, "Say on." The woman is saying, I have something else to tell you, and David says, Go ahead and speak. 13 And the woman said, Wherefore then hast thou devised such a thing against the people of God? For in speaking this word the king is as one that is guilty, In that the king doth not fetch home again his banished one. 14 For we must needs die, and are as water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any person, but let him devise means, that he that is banished be not an outcast from him. The reason David has been depressed all this time, is because Absalom ran away and hasn't returned home. He's living in Jeshur, and that's why David is depressed. Joab made up this story for the woman to tell, to get King David to understand that his depression will leave him when his son returns. So instead of allowing Absalom to be exiled, he needs to bring Absalom home and then he won't be sad anymore, just as he has promised to protect this woman's son who doesn't exist, who was a killer. He needs to protect his own son Absalom bring him home under protection so that he won't be sad and miss him anymore, and Absalom won't be in exile anymore. Joab is successfully convinced the king that Absalom should come home, using this woman as a play actress. 15 Now therefore, seeing that I am come to speak this word unto my lord the king, it is because the people have made me afraid, and thy handmaid said, I will now speak unto the king. It may be that the king will perform the request of his servant. The woman is saying, the reason I told you all this false story was because the people of Israel are upset because you are upset. And we want you to stop being upset. We want you to bring your son home and protect your son and rejoice. 16 For the king will hear, to deliver his servant out of the hand of the man that would destroy me and my son together out of the inheritance of God. But she doesn't really have a son. It was all a story. But she is saying, Do unto your own son what you would have done for my son. 17 Then thy handmaid said, Let, I pray thee, the word of my Lord the King be for my comfort. For as an angel of God, so is my Lord the King, to discern good and bad, and the Lord thy God be with thee. She's flattering David, saying, I knew that whatever judgment you gave me for my son would be the correct judgment, therefore you should give that same judgment to your own son. 18 Then the king answered and said unto the woman, Hide not from me, I pray thee, aught that I shall ask thee. And the woman said, Let my lord the king now speak. King David is telling her, I have a question for you, and I want you to give me an honest answer. And the woman says, Yeah, go ahead, ask. 19 And the king said, Is the hand of Joab with thee in all this? And the woman answered and said, As thy soul liveth, my lord the king, none can turn to the right hand, nor to the left from aught, that my lord the king hath spoken. For thy servant Joab he bade me, and he put all these words in the mouth of thy handmaid. David knows that Joab is pretty smart, and he knows that Joab would want peace in the kingdom. And so he asked the woman, Did Joab put you up to all this? And the woman said, Yes. And the woman also flattered David by saying, You would know, because you are so wise. 20. To change the face of the matter hath thy servant Joab done this thing, and my Lord is wise according to the wisdom of an angel of God to know all things that are in the earth. The woman is saying that King David has the wisdom of an angel of God, and that Joab just wants peace in the kingdom, and wants David to be happy. 21. And the king said unto Joab, Behold now, I have granted this request. Go therefore, bring the young man Absalom back. David is telling Joab, go ahead, get Absalom out of his exile, bring him back and tell him that his life will be protected and he doesn't have to run. This seems like a good thing, but this is going to work against King David. This is all part of God's curse that David would have a sword against his household until the day he dies. 22 And Joab fell to the ground on his face, and prostrated himself, and blessed the king. And Joab said, Today thy servant knoweth that I have found favor in thy sight, my lord, O king, and that the king hath performed the request of thy servant. Joab is very happy that the king is going to do what he asks. 23 So Joab arose and went to Jeshur, and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. 24 And the king said, Let him turn to his own house, but let him not see my face. So Absalom turned to his own house, and saw not the king's face. This is because, after all, Absalom did kill one of King David's other sons. King David doesn't want to look at him, but he is glad that he's alive and back in the kingdom. 25 Now in all Israel there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. From the sole of his foot, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. Absalom was incredibly gorgeous, one of the most beautiful people who ever lived. He was even better looking than King David, and King David was incredibly handsome. But Absalom was the most handsome person in all of Israel. Now there's a parallel here. Absalom is going to represent Lucifer, and King David is going to represent God in the rest of this story. You will see. Quite a parallel between what happened with Lucifer in heaven and what happens with Absalom in David's kingdom. Absalom, just like Lucifer, is incredibly beautiful, but he's going to come to believe that he should usurp the royal crown and take it for his own. Just like Lucifer used his beauty as an excuse to try to usurp the crown of the Son of God in heaven. Absalom is going to use his beauty and influence as an excuse to try to usurp the crown of his own father David. Originally, the father of Lucifer was God, Because God is everybody's father, God created everyone, and God created Lucifer as a beautiful being. He became ugly when he fell from heaven with one-third of the angels that he influenced. Absalom also is going to influence a number of men from David's kingdom to fight on his side to try to usurp David's throne. Just as Lucifer influenced one-third of the angels to fight on his side to try to usurp the throne of Jesus Christ in heaven. And of course, you can guess, Absalom isn't going to win, just as Lucifer didn't win. 26. And when he pulled his head, meaning when he had it cut, because what they would do to cut their hair is they would wrap their hair around a pole, and then what was hanging down is what would get cut, which means it was never cut super short. It was just cut maybe above shoulder length, and then he would let it grow again. He had a magnificent incredible curly head of hair. He was known for curly hair, so was King Solomon. And I believe King David probably had curly hair, because two of his most noteworthy sons had curly hair. So when he pulled his head, now it was at every year's end that he pulled it. Meaning once a year, at the end of the year, is when he would cut his hair. Because the hair was heavy on him, therefore he pulled it. He weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels after the king's weight. Whenever he cut off his excess hair that grew, it would be five pounds worth of hair. That's a lot of hair. 27 And unto Absalom there were born three sons, and one daughter, whose name was Tamar. She was a woman of fair countenance. Which means that Absalom named his daughter after his sister who was raped. 28 And Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, and he saw not the king's face. He was protected in Jerusalem, but he couldn't see the king because after all, he had killed another son of the king. And the king couldn't bear to look at him because of that reason. Although the king loved all of his sons, he couldn't bear to look at Absalom because Absalom had murdered Amon even though Amon really deserved to die. 29 Then Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but he would not come to him, and he sent again a second time, but he would not come. Absalom wants Joab to bring him to the king, but Joab won't do it because he knows that the king doesn't want to see Absalom. 30 Therefore he said unto his servants, See, Joab's field is near mine, and he hath barley there. Go and set it on fire, and Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Joab is a good servant of King David, and he refuses to disobey David. So Absalom is now attacking Joab's field. And by burning the barley, that means he's taking food from Joab's household, which would be a great hardship on Joab's household. And Michael is an archangel in heaven who fought on the side of Jesus Christ, and Satan contended with the archangel Michael. So again, there's another parallel. 31 Then Joab arose and came to Absalom unto his house, and said unto him, Wherefore have thy servants set my field on fire? Joab is confronting Absalom. 32 And Absalom answered Joab, Behold, I sent unto thee, saying, Come hither, that I may send thee to the king, to say, Wherefore am I come from Jeshur? It were better for me to be there still. Now therefore, let me see the king's face, and if there be iniquity in me, let him kill me. Absalom is saying, I'd rather die at the hands of the king, than never be able to see him. In Jeshur, I could walk around and do whatever I wanted. But here in Israel, I have to stay at home all shut up because I am not allowed to see the king. Bring me to the king and let the king kill me if he wants. But I can't bear to be exiled in my own home any longer. 33 So Joab came to the king and told him, and when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. Now a kiss is a greeting, and it is a sign of approval and favor. David is making peace with Absalom, at Absalom's request. There is more trouble to come, but that is where we end it in Second Samuel chapter 14.